Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. I'm Sean Trotar. Sandy Clough is on my left. If you are watching on MileHighSports.com or on the free Mile High Sports app, you could actually see that. But for the rest of it, we uh, make sure we describe it for you. You know, we call it setting the scene in the business. But for the Denver Nuggets, we'll take a look at the defending champs. They are 0-3 in Summer League. Not that that matters, because it does not. As uh, Jim Mora famously said, and I'm paraphrasing because uh, he talked about a different thing, it doesn't mean diddly-poo. It's yeah. irrelevant what uh, what the actually the record is. It doesn't mean anything. But the way the players play does. And I thought it was interesting, Sandy, that uh, literally <laughs> earlier this week, we were talking about the idea of maybe Peyton Watson sitting. I thought that the Broncos, or Broncos, pardon me, the Nuggets should sit Peyton Watson like uh, the Spurs did with Victor Wembanyama and decide that uh, we've seen enough. He's ready. He was with us all year. Uh, good enough. You actually talked me out of that. And and had very uh, good an argument why he should actually play more. But the um, Nuggets agreed with you. Well, either that or they weren't listening to you. One of the two. So <laughs> maybe they should have been listening to you. Now, uh, Peyton Watson sits out for presumably the rest of it. I don't think you said a guy out for the game and well, bringing it back in. No, I, I I don't see it happening either. And I I guess my my point on that would be that unless you're going to start him and play him 30 minutes as they played Tyson and Strother and Pickett and Gillespie last night, there's no reason to play him five or 10 minutes. Right. Yeah, that doesn't Shouldn't even serve any all. purpose no at all. But Either I, play him 30 minutes. I mean, it, those four guys played 31, 33, 31, and 30 minutes respectively last night. So if you're not going to play him somewhere uh, around 30 minutes, there's no point playing him at all. I, I agree with you. If that was part of your argument, I think it might have been. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the way the Nuggets operated last night. They were very good with those uh, four players in there, four of the five starters. They were all plus players. Uh, The bench was not as effective, and they lost the game by five. But they were very good in the second half. Uh, Hunter Tyson talked to uh, Altitude after the game and talked about how they uh, buckled down and got things right. I actually specifically praised Connor Gillespie for his leadership skills. And getting them in order. Gillespie didn't have a great shooting night, but as you pointed out, plus players. Uh, yeah, I, I thought he was good defensively. Yeah. He had four steals. Uh, steals does not equate with great defense necessarily, but I thought he was disruptive. And uh, I was impressed by Pickett and Gillespie playing together in the backcourt. I, back I, I sufficiently like it. physical. Uh, they're both right around 6'3, but they're strong players. And Pickett played his game, as I recall it, from Penn State. And Gillespie played his game, as I recall it, from Villanova. Pickett's six for nine, but doing what he does just kind of fills it. He's a sort of, he's a stat, he's not a patter, but he fills the stat sheets. Uh, 12 points, eight assists, six boards, pretty good for a, a guard. Three blocks, also pretty good for a guard. He did have three turnovers, but it was eight assists, and this is in summer league action. So, I mean, I like right. that. Uh, Strather's shot wasn't necessarily falling to three for 11 behind three, but otherwise he shot the two uh, pretty seven well. Seven for 17's okay. Yeah, I think you can live with it. And 21 points in 33 minutes. But it's Hunter Tyson that, that intrigued me because Tyson ended up basically being uh, the de facto big man. For the first couple games they started, uh, yeah. Kamigate. I, I, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, he, Kamigate did not play at all. Tyson he's played. productive. He doesn't look like he's 31 doing much. minutes, Sandy. But then you look at the box score numbers yeah. and he's very productive. 19 points, 5 for 12 in his 31 minutes. But the number that sticks out 
12 boards. 12. So nobody else on the Nuggets had more than six, and that was Pickett, a guard. <laughs> and beyond that, Cassius Stanley had five off the bench, also a guard. But we hinted at this the week before. Even though Tyson is the third of the Nuggets draft picks, and I think that uh, Strother certainly has a direct opportunity here to step in and maybe play some minutes earlier on. But Tyson's particular skill set, I think, gives him an opportunity to play maybe much sooner than anybody is thinking for the guy who was the third of the Nuggets picks because he can hit the three. He moves very well without the ball. He's an outstanding rebounder. Remember, we talked about this immediately after the draft. He was top five in the country in rebounds, and he's essentially a stretch four. I I think he's deserving of a look. There's some NBA skills there, I think. Yeah, uh, and uh, again, you have to consider the competition, too. You do. Um, but, but I think you can watch a guy's positioning I, I, and what he's doing on the court. And you so know, he's doing three, the right three thing. for nine on threes isn't yeah. isn't bad. Uh, five for twelve from the field. So I generally in watching him, I I thought he took good shots. Uh, again, he doesn't jump out at you, but he is productive, and that's kind of his rep uh, coming from Clemson out of the ACC, uh, where his productivity. Earned him uh, all ACC first team honors this past season. And you can see he's one of those guys who just gets in and works. And he's smart. He's efficient. Um, Of the three guys, I I think being the third of the three picks sequentially, You look at him as maybe a guy who needs more minutes than he'd get here, and they're better off starting him uh, in the G League. But I thought on the basis of overall production, he was about as effective as uh, uh, any of the four that we care about. Again, I'm not criticizing any of the others, but those are the four who have a chance to make yeah, the team. Yeah, Akamagate and they're the four guys is going to go back to, to France. Uh, the, the Nuggets own his rights. They're going to send him back to France. A lot of these guys uh, may be looking for Grand Rapids, or they may be doing what a lot of the people in a summer league do, and keep that in mind, too, even with the Nuggets. Uh, a lot of this, unless you're one of the draft picks, is putting stuff on tape for all the other teams in the league, realistically. That's what you're looking at. You're trying to find an NBA job somewhere, and uh, that's the way that this league goes in the summer. But when I look at Tyson's skill and I realize that, okay, Jeff Green is gone. Jeff Green was the, quote, big man off the bench for the most part for the Nuggets. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reel this back, not to the postseason, because we're talking about rookies anyway, just the regular season. The de facto backup center was Jeff Green, who played 19 and a half minutes per game in the regular season and found himself as basically uh, the, the big man. Uh, DeAndre Jordan... Um, didn't play in that many games, only 39 games all year. So when he did play, he got some minutes, but he's going to play less this year, presumably. The next biggest guy is Zeke Naji, who has sometimes served as that player. Zeke Naji, however, even the limited 13.7 minutes per game, only averages 2.6 boards, and he's never been a big rebounding guy, although going back to college. The Nuggets are going to have a need to find someone who can get boards when Nikola Jokic and Aaron Gordon are off the floor. And Gordon himself is not a guy that piles up the rebound numbers. He certainly 
has the ability to do it, but he's not a big rebounder. Average 6.6 this year is basically their power forward. So when you look at this roster, I'm going to actually tell you that the person I think is going to be second on the team in rebounds next year is not going to be Aaron Gordon. I think it's going to be Michael Porter Jr. I think he has started to improve his game. He was only one, uh, an average of one per game behind Gordon. I think Porter Jr. is going to need to step up and do that. But I don't think that Najee or Chanchar are guys that can get rebounds with any consistency. They didn't bring back Thomas Bryant. They didn't bring back Jeff Green. If you want rebounds, the best guy off the bench right now is probably Hunter Tyson. Uh, could be. Again, I, I who's better? Don't want to harp on this, but you got to consider the competition. I get a that. little bit, but even given and even, even the ACC even was a lousy league this year. I, I understand, and I'm not dismissing him. I'm I'm just saying let's not get carried away. It's not. I'm not going overboard it's, it's about summer Tyson league. so much as it's, I am pointing out the Nuggets have a vulnerability there. They do uh, not have a rebounder I, off the bench. I don't know. They don't. Uh, it, it, Brown can rebound. Uh, I I think the guards rebound perfectly well. Nuggets guards rebound quite well, but and, the, the front court does not. Well. Yeah. You, you you got the best rebounder in basketball in Jokic. Right. I, I don't care what the, the numbers that may say because Jokic isn't going for numbers and he isn't conscious. You ask him after any given game how many rebounds he'd have, he usually doesn't know. Yeah. No idea, no interest in uh, knowing how many rebounds he had. I, I don't worry about them on the boards. I think their deficiency is three-point shooting. Uh, if Tyson can help them there, he makes a team. If He's kind of 25, 30% from three-point range playing against competition, and maybe we'll find out a little more about him in the preseason, even though the competition isn't great in the preseason either. Starters tend not to play very much. But I think if he shows signs of being about as good a three-point shooter as Jeff Green was, then there's there are minutes for him there, I, I don't think Najee and Chanchar stand out as three-point shooters, uh, although both can, can they, shoot they it. Can, Chanchar, Chanchar is better. A little more than Najee. Uh, but on, on the rebounding front, I, I, I don't really worry about that. There, there wasn't much done. Ty, Tyson had all 12 rebounds on the, on the defensive boards. Uh, again, the parts of the game I, I watched, uh, yeah, that's it's good production. But again, nobody's really contesting it. That I, it, the parts of the game that I watched, I didn't watch it from start to finish, but I watched most of the minutes that these guys played last night. These four players were talking about, and most of the defensive rebounds were uncontested. Uh, there are no offensive rebounds, nor should there have been, because he's playing on the perimeter uh, almost uh, the the entire evening. He took three shots from inside the arc right. all night in in thirty one minutes. Uh, Strother's the guy, I, I think. I know he only went three for 11, but I think he has NBA range on the three. I do, too. And I, I, I liked his willingness uh, to, to shoot the three. I mean, that's how he's going to make the team. And the, the, it, I, I think one of these guys will make it. One will be in the G League most of the time, and one will go back and forth. Strother's the one guy, I think, who has the best. Uh, I agree with that case for making the team and getting minutes on top of not just making the team to sit on the end of the bench because if that's going to be the case with any of these guys they're better off getting minutes in the G League Uh, 
Strother has a chance to get minutes because I think he's the best three-point shooter of the three. Uh, Pickett only took one three, uh, missed both his free throws. Uh, I was impressed that Pickett was able to play his game, but again, as the competition becomes uh, more serious, I, I wonder about that. Uh, Strother can play his game. Sandy with a Strother can play his game with it's a, a three-point game. New contract for Reggie Jackson, two-year, ten-year, ten million dollar deal. Two-year, ten million dollar deal for basically the mid-level exception. Is there room now? If you have, presumably that that's going to be the primary ball handler off the bench, so what they're paying him to do. Is there room for Gillespie and Pickett? I, I, I when I'm looking at a potential roster crunch, uh, I actually like both of these players, but I do wonder at a certain point, depending that one of them probably is better off getting thirty minutes a night in the G yeah. League. I uh, and this is because you don't, you again don't four ball handlers. I didn't think there was more than maybe a 51-49-52-48 at most uh, difference, and it depends on your taste, I suppose. I thought by a very very slight margin, Gillespie looked like a guy who at both ends could have impact more so than Pickett, who I didn't think was particularly good defensively. Gillespie, I thought, was very good defensively, and he was disruptive. So of those two guys, I give the edge. They're different kinds of players, certainly on offense. And I think Gillespie's a much better defensive player, but that's not surprising. Uh, There's very little difference between the two. I'd probably lean a little bit more toward Gillespie because I want Pickett getting minutes. Um, I can see that Gillespie. I'm pretty high on Pickett, but I I think Gillespie can get 10 or 15 minutes a game and coming off a knee injury. uh, You know, I I don't know how wise it would be to play him on any level for 30 or 35 minutes a game Mm -hmm. from the start. Pickett needs a minute. You can you can have those two. I take Gillespie and between Strother and Tyson, I take Strother uh, because of the three ball. And that's that's about it. And uh, no doubt Tyson's the better of the two as a rebounder but I think what they're looking for is is the three ball first and foremost and a guy with demonstrated three-point NBA range and that's where Strother actually the four guys just watching not being influenced by box score numbers just watching Mm -hmm. the game uh, Strother I thought was consistently dangerous as a scorer and as a shooter last night and yeah, the four of them combined shot 22 of 51, uh, 8 of 40 on threes. Uh, you'd hope for a better three-point percentage, but it, they weren't taking bad threes. They just weren't uh, making a lot right. of them. Uh, I, I think Strother and, and Tyson are pretty close as three-point shooters, but I think Strother might have slightly more range. And really, that's I, I think that's what they're looking for once you get past Christian Brown and Peyton Watson. I think what they're looking for is the best three-point shooter. And it's nice to have other features to your game, but I think that would be the decisive factor in in their choice. Now, as I was the other day, I could be completely wrong on that. Uh, I don't know what uh, Booth and or Malone might be looking for, and their view might be different, but I got the feeling that they thought when they lost Brown, they lost a good three-point shooter. Even Green was a decent three-point shooter, and that's what they need to replace. Uh, 
Brown could rebound, but that wasn't the aspect of his game that impressed you the most. I'm intrigued to see how this goes when we get to camp because I, my thoughts on this honestly have less, less to do because I agree with everything you're saying, Sandy, about the, the competition, the nature of all this. It's less about, oh, wow, these guys are putting up good numbers in summer league. I don't care about that. But I am looking at the, the things that I think a lot of scouts look at and teams look at. I'm looking at the, the things that you could loosely call basketball IQ. Are you making the right rotations? Are you picking up the right man? How are you handling the pick and roll? Where are you when you set up on the offense? Where are you when, when you're moving without the ball? All those things are what I focus on a little bit more, and I did the same as you. I watched, uh, I watched the game last night, and then this morning I kind of I uh, zipped through it and focused on those same four players uh, on their minutes. And what, I, what I'm seeing there is, is less about them because I do know they're playing against bad competition but more about some of the perceived weaknesses, at least as I see it, in the Nuggets' depth now that they're missing two very significant pieces. And I'm not trying to harp on them, that they've been uh, perfectly serviceable players. But when I look at this roster right now, and I look at guys that are on it that I think we've seen for a while, and I think you know what they are and you know where their ceilings are, I think with Zeke Naji and Vlatko Chanchar, I think those are the guys. And I think there is a distinct possibility... Now, in the contracts make a difference there, but I think there is a distinct possibility that Hunter Tyson may be a better NBA fit with the Denver Nuggets than one of those two guys, which one I don't know. I think that's possible. I, I agree with you. If it were to be me today, I would say, yeah, leave Gillespie on the Nuggets, not only where they can control his minutes, but also where he can be continuing to get better health-wise, work out with Jamal Murray, rehab with the team, with, with guys who know how to handle that. Uh, Gillespie also already, as I mentioned, praised last night by Tyson, who talked about his leadership and the way they rallied in the in the. Oh, oh he was definitely the leader. Now, the, the, Pickett is more raw. Pickett, Pickett's more raw, not as much of a leader, not as much of uh, a disruptive force on the defensive end of the floor, and and, and more of a one-on-one guy. And there's nothing wrong well, with that's that. That's exactly what he was asked to do the whole time. When you look, you look at the Penn State numbers from last year, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but if I remember right, he led them in points, rebounds, assists, and I believe was .1 blocks away from leading them in blocks, and he also led them in steals. He led Penn State out of four of the five main categories, and almost all five. So he was basically asked to be a one-man Had three blocks last night. Right. So you're you're talking about a player, I'm I'm very bullish on Pickett's future, but if Pickett spent most of the year in the G League this year, I wouldn't hate that. But I look at the, it's the situation with Najee, Chanchar, and Tyson that intrigue me. Because I think that Tyson brings at least a, a knowledge, an ability, and a skill set that the other two don't. And, and when I look down the road at when their contracts expire, I think about Vlako Chanchar and I think about Zeke Naji. And I, I, honestly, if, if you're still the Nuggets at a championship level, which one of those are you tripping over yourself to resign? I find myself when I say this goes without saying, thinking back later on, and especially doing talk radio, nothing is not worth saying Chanchar and Najee have to be better too. There has to be signs of growth. And I I don't know a lot better, a little better. I I mean, there has to be a noticeable sign. Najee was a first round pick. Chanchar is a different level. I guess you're talking about an undrafted guy. Yeah. And yeah, you you have to account. You have to account for both guys have had injuries and, and that's part of the deal too. You have to have people who are going to be 
healthy in case you have injuries in front of them that they're capable of playing. I thought the Nuggets, when those guys had to play this year, did okay. Uh, They weren't great. Uh, Remember, until the last month, Jokic is playing virtually every game. Right. So there was always, in in those circumstances, outside of the last month, and I, I didn't think in the last month they were great. And the proof is they lost most of the games. Mm-hmm. They played down the stretch. Last 17, I think they were 7-10. and 10, Right. But they if kind the memory of serves. care, but yes, the and overall record didn't. But you No, like no but I, I'm saying you were looking at guys like Najee and, and Chancho mm-hmm. who had a chance to play a little I bit. I certainly am. During, during that period. And I, I, I wasn't terribly impressed by, by either one. So those guys, when they get the chance to play during the preseason, and on the practice floor in preseason, they're going to have to be noticeably better. I don't think they have to be great. Uh, you know, I think your backup center going into next year is going to continue to be Aaron Gordon. Uh, I don't think there'll be too many minutes in which uh, Jokic and or Gordon is not on the floor. I think we saw the stagger with Jokic and Murray, too, that's going to continue as yeah. well. Yeah, I, I think so. And that matters so, to the Gillespie's so, and the Reggie if, Jacksons. If you world. have those three, as basically your your core, your best all around players, those three, I one of them at least one is going to be on the floor for all forty eight minutes, pretty much. So you're looking for guys to fill in, play complementary roles, and do one thing really, really well, or maybe two things quite well. Tyson showed last night that he's capable of scoring. And he's capable of rebounding. And apart from the numbers, he seemed comfortable in a game that was a little bit helter-skelter, if you watched it. Uh, No shortage of turnovers. Uh, Not a lot of ball movement. But he was ready to shoot when he had opportunities to shoot. And I thought he looked comfortable in a disorganized atmosphere, playing his game. And that was that was impressive. Chanchar and Najee are guys who have to prove it, as much as any of the rookies will have to prove it. Both players are restricted. Uh, well, I should say that actually. Zeke Najee is a restricted free agent in the years. His rookie contract would come to an end at $4.3 million. Chanchar has a club option for $2.3 million. Uh, given the Nuggets' salary cap situation, maybe that protects him a little bit. Uh, but we will find out soon enough. We'll talk more about the Nuggets with our Mile High Sports own beat writer, Ryan Blackburn, who put together a lot of stuff just last night. You can catch it this morning at Mile High Sports and on YouTube. We'll have him at 3 o'clock, but we'll turn our attention to the Denver Broncos as training camp looms, taking a look at some of those position groups. And if you missed out on buying tickets to training camp, uh, the Broncos are working out a way that maybe you can see it. I'll explain that next as well on My Life Sports. For this medication, feel it deranged meeting. For y'all to put the word out. We ain't leaving. We trying to be risked before we all stop breathing. Therefore, we kind of hustle lanes. Stay laying down our muscle games. Still turn This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Well, the Denver Broncos, in case you were curious about the way training camp went around, remember, of course, you had to buy your tickets on Ticketmaster, and they're all sold out. 
That didn't happen very, uh, didn't take very long because everybody could buy four and they were free. So with a maximum of 3,000, if you get in at all, why wouldn't you buy four? Then that means 750 people. But President Damani Leach of the Denver Broncos went on Twitter today and said that they are looking for a way to allow people who have those tickets that find out even in the last second that they can't go to turn them back in and somebody else could then use them. I don't know how that's going to go. Hopefully they come up with something. I think a lot of the problem is uh, that they're counting on there. This is one of the things that I think is a challenge is um, when people didn't pay for something and you decide not to go for whatever reason that morning, you're probably not overly concerned about turning it back into Ticketmaster or whatever because it didn't cost you anything. There's no benefit for you except just to be maybe nice to somebody else and log into a website and hope to turn it back in. So I don't know how effective that's going to be, but the Broncos have said, uh, per Damani Lynch, that at least they are looking into it and trying to get that out as quickly as possible. They also teased uh, what uh, is likely to be their alternate helmets. Remember, you're allowed to be able to do that uh, this season. They kind of teased a... Uh, little blue and uh, orange line behind ice. So I, uh, whatever that means, who knows? I'm expecting that to be some sort of white helmet spinoff of the, uh, the throwback D uniform, if I were to guess. But that's only an educated guess based on the things that, that I know as of today. For those who are super, super into the uniform things, the Broncos are trying to get that going. You'll find that out in about two weeks. But when we take a look at this Broncos team, we yesterday, Sandy, we looked at the cornerback position and the safety position. Specifically, the two best players involved as ESPN takes a look around the league Four players in the top 10 of every position. We looked at Pat Sertan and Justin Simmons, the only two Broncos listed in any of those categories whatsoever. But there are other position groups, obviously, that uh, we need to take a look at. Well, we do. And it points to the one major weakness that this team has and definitely had last year. Yes, on defense during the second half of the year, we've talked about it. They were second to last in the NFL in quarterback pressure rate for the final eight or nine games. I don't know how they define second half of the season exactly, but they were next to last. Eight half games? They started halftime in game nine? uh, Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? But I, I think when you look at edge rushers, uh, when you look at even interior defensive linemen, you, you see how far back the Broncos are and their supposedly solid off-ball linebackers are nowhere to be found. Nobody gave any votes to Josie Jewell or Alex Singleton. Alex Singleton among inside linebackers, this off-ball linebackers. neither of us, obviously. Which surprises no one uh, who who looks beyond tacking totals, which uh, tackling totals mean nothing. Uh, the edge rushers, though, look, look at who they are and find a Bronco who is remotely in the same class, and you can pretty much look all over uh, the division uh, and see with, with the exception of Kansas city, remember Kansas city has Chris Jones playing inside uh, who's the best. I think even at this point, better than Aaron Donald purely as a pass rusher. 
I'd take Chris Jones, who they do move around some and put he, in, he's, in match-up I, positions to rest I, the I put Chris Jones in the handful of, and I mean handful, of best defensive linemen in the league regardless of position. Yeah. Uh, inside yeah. outs, irrelevant. Right. Chris, Chris Jones is right. a disruptor play and, after play yes. after play. And it can be through the pass rush. Yeah. It can be he's tremendous. playing the run, shooting gaps, all, all that stuff. Here are the edge rushers. None of this will surprise you. Nick Bosa of San Francisco is number one. Miles Garrett of Cleveland, number two. And uh, the following eight include Micah Parsons of Dallas, T.J. Watt of Pittsburgh, Hassan Reddick of Philadelphia. That's your top five. And six through ten, Max Crosby of the Raiders, Brian Burns of Carolina, uh, Matthew Judon of uh, New England, Vaughn Miller of Buffalo. Still, Broncos even after the year with like the that. interesting uh, Joey Bosa of the Chargers. So, yes, the Chiefs and obviously the Broncos within the AFC West aren't represented, but the Chargers have a guy, the Raiders have a guy, uh, and they're unquestionably deserving of being placed in the top 10. And uh, the Broncos don't get any mention among honorable mentions or those receiving votes. And if you're asking me who's going to lead the Broncos in sacks this year, my answer would be I have no idea. I guess for lack of a better option, I I would have voted for Baron Browning, but he's going to start the season on physically unable to perform. I guess I'd go with Frank Clark. I guess. But that's almost by process of elimination. And he had what last year? Five sacks? Yeah. I kind of dropped off. I mean, I I, I guess... When, when you look at what the Broncos are hoping for, certainly, when you're looking at the I mean, Frank Clark, I guess you could. I mean, I guess they hope so, right? I mean, given given the at this signing, point, they hope so. They hope so. Obviously, you're looking at some combination. Of, you know, they, they Allen moved, maybe. They, yeah, they moved on from Draymond Jones for Allen. I, th- I think in Allen's and Draymond case, Jones, by the way, among defensive tackles, did make honorable mention or those getting votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, those getting amend votes. that. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I, I mean, I, I think what the Broncos are really hoping for is that Allen ignites. Yeah, uh, that that's the guy that I think makes the biggest but honest difference. Would you put Allen in the same category with any of the edge rushers? Or even if you want to list him as a defensive tackle, um, would you put him in the same company with Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, Jeffrey Simmons of Tennessee, Quentin Williams of the Jets, Javon Hargrove of San Francisco, Dexter Lawrence of the Giants, who really came of age last year, DeForest Buckner has been a solid interior defensive lineman for years from Indianapolis, uh, Payne from Washington, Hayward from Pittsburgh, and Jonathan Allen from Washington. I, I don't see. I, I no. was a little surprised that DJ Jones didn't at least get a vote. Me too. But he didn't. And so along the defensive line again, whether you're talking about edge rushers or uh, defensive tackles, nary a Bronco in sight. So, again, you wonder not so much about stopping the run, but about defending the pass and – our attention immediately goes to that disastrous Christmas Day game at SoFi against the Los Angeles Rams and Baker Mayfield, in which the
Durant's put up 51 points, and it could have been more if they had wanted to score more. They could have. The Put it this way. I'm going to be positive about it. I'm going to put a positive spin on it. I could see if Allen's career projection continues, if he goes along that and, and can perform the way I believe that the Broncos think he can, that some of his coaches think he can, that J.J. Watt thinks he can. J.J. Watt spoke highly of him. He could be in that list next year. We're certainly not putting him in it this he, year. He better be. <laughs> That's a good way of putting he it. Better be. If the Broncos want to make a, a leap forward, that is totally fair. He'd better be. I mean, that's that's the thing. They, this team is not bereft of talent. However, it is rather thin in top-tier talent, as I think illustrated there by people around the league who are scouts, front office personnel, other players who vote on this sort of thing. And they're going to have a more, it's not going to be perfect, but they're going to have, I think, a more fair angle on it than most fans or people that are just accustomed to looking at their one team and the Broncos, even though there are Broncos players that are fan favorites that have performed well here and there, there's just not that many top tier guys. And they have one in Russell Wilson who's been there and needs to be there again, but he's not there now. Cortland Sutton, at, not even close. Cortland Sutton at one time, maybe prior to his injury, you could have maybe said he was a top 10 receiver to leave. I don't think you would have. But, now, they haven't gotten receivers yet. But, I mean, Let's maybe he mindful well, of that. But, I, no, but he's not going to be on it. will definitely not be on it, and I would suspect Judy would not be Garrett on it, Bowles although he may get a probably for a year, a, a year, Garrett Bowles was probably in that. The, the year when there was nobody well, in the stands. Well, for one year he was. And, and holding was was cut down yeah, 50%. He, he's not going to be among the tackles. But he's, but he's not a top ben 10 Powers guy. Ben Powers is not going to be among the guards. McGlinchey is not going to be. Cushenberry's not going to be among McGlinchey the stands. McGlinchey may be a no, receiving votes, but he's maybe. not going to be the top well, I'd, 10. I'd certainly. be surprised. But, uh, Javante know, Williams may have been had he been healthy, but, but he hasn't But been. back to the defense a minute, and Allen in particular, why when when fans were asked about, the most impactful free agent signing made by the Broncos. Mm-hmm. 52.5% plus voted for McGlinchey, 21.5% for Powers. Well, that's the right choice. The offensive line is by far the most important thing that needs to fix on the Broncos. Defensive line now probably is, but offensive well, line needed it. I, I I know, but these people are saying it, it, qualitatively these yeah. are the best signings. I, I, I don't disagree. But you're right. You moved on from, from Draymond Jones for a guy that uh, – has 11 and a half career sacks in four seasons, in 45 games. Yeah. That was free agent. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Uh, fans are, I think, a little more sophisticated because they've been misled so often. Yeah. That's what So happens. they're not just taking the Broncos' word yeah. for it. And the fact that Allen... The Randy Gregory signing wasn't that long ago. Well, yeah. The fact that Allen comes from Arizona, and boy, isn't it great that he won't be playing for a different coordinator this year because Vance Joseph is coming along, too, and recommended him. I don't think that impresses fans very much, do you? No, and I don't think it should be. Is it it nice for Allen? Sure, but if and when star players go to a different team via free agency— and they didn't get to have their coordinator. Did they stop being stars? And of course not. I mean, you're good enough 
or you're not good enough. We'll talk more about this, obviously, but want to remind you at Superbook Sports, we're changing the game. Help your bets stay hot this summer at Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling, with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now, when you use the promo code MILEHIGH, you'll score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. And what that means is win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code MILEHIGH. It's easy to do. Just download the Superbook Sports app. Download it right there at uh, Superbook.com. Enter the promo code MILEHIGH, and you'll get $250 courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Going to the Broncos and staying on that idea of their top-tier talent, and you're right, Zach Allen, not considered uh, by fans to be the most significant free agent addition or even the top two, not by us either. But where do you think the strengths lie? This is your show Two 303-831-1340 is the number. Let us know where you think the Broncos might be a little bit better than folks think. We'll take a look at that, and we'll talk more about it next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. I, I think there's a concert this weekend. It's Taylor Swift. Is that right, All right Andrew? Uh, that, that sounds I, I, familiar. I heard that. I, uh, I, I saw that there's a mind-bending line of people waiting for Taylor Swift merch outside uh, Empower Field. This started very early today. Uh Friend of the program, Chris Bianchi from Nine News, their weather uh, weather expert there, uh, kind of showed the line, went down with a camera, showed the line out why he was down there. He was weather. I don't know. I presume Chris was getting some Taylor Swift merch and just was recording his way down to the end of the tail end of the line. But it, it went uh, it went a ways. I, I will actually, since I have it in front of me, since I got it from the Broncos, I guess we'll, we'll let you know in case you're going to be down there or you're bringing a friend or you're bringing the kids or whatever. Uh, obviously, the, the uh, merch... Merch stuff is going to be up till 7 p.m. You have to park in lot C or D to access it. It sounds like you better have been down there already. Uh, Friday and Saturday, that'll still be there, but you have to have parking passes for the show that day. And uh, you have to make sure that you basically follow much of the same rules you would for the Bronco game, including the clear bag policy. So uh, the, the stuff you expect for the game is more or less uh, the same, even though it's a, a concert, not a football game. You're not allowed to bring lights. Uh, you're not allowed to bring... Uh, backpacks or stainless steel water bottles. But my favorite addition, uh, because I'm familiar with getting this every week for the Broncos, uh, they put in, in italics, note, portable phone chargers and friendship bracelets will be allowed. Yeah, so if you need your t- uh, Taylor Swift t-shirts, hats, or even just... And you've the- been ordering online, you can re- you're can you allowed to bring your phone yeah. charger. And, of course, if you're making new friends in the long merch line and you happen to bring, uh, what do you make friendship bracelets out of? Like yarn? Is it yarn? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, those are okay. You can bring those in. So, uh, congrats. I've been told they are. They have been. They have sold out of the uh, teardrops that have been on her guitar. Okay. They are sold out of that. Okay. Are you going? No. 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 <laughs> you, you didn't want to like sell plasma for four months to. Uh, I wouldn't have gone if the tickets were given to me. Not oh, a big fan, yeah. but the you know the the mind numbing price for these tickets. Yeah. Like I can think of several thousand more ways to spend that money. I literally, and I'm, I'm not joking about this, I will not name names to protect the innocent, I literally uh, know someone 
who is flying to Europe to catch a later date on the tour in Europe because it's cheaper to actually go to Europe by the tickets in the other in the other country than it is to do it in Denver. Do you know which country it is? You might as well. uh, Yeah, I do. Poland. Poland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So fly fly to Poland later in the year, catch the show in Poland, take a little vacation while you're at it, and save some money, as opposed to driving 20 minutes from. Okay, well, enjoy. Uh, I have I have no beef. Uh, don't care. Totally ambivalent about Taylor Swift. Obviously very talented. Makes a ton of money. Good for her. But, uh, whew. Makes Denver a lot of money, too. Makes Denver a lot of money. Makes everywhere she goes a lot of money. That is a lot of money coming into town. And it's also going to be a lot of traffic. Keep in mind this weekend, not only will you have that, uh, that Taylor Swift concert, but uh, Colorado's best outdoor sports bar remains open, otherwise known as Coors Field. And the New York Yankees will come to visit. So uh, you can expect a bunch of Yankees fans to swarm that. Or maybe even Rockies fans who are uh, jumping ship at some point. Even though the Yankees are also not likely to make the playoffs. But at least no, not likely but to lose that, 100 games. They'll still be a draw. Yes. They'll, and, um, they'll still be a draw. Talk out of New York today. Obviously, you're going to get a lot more uh, of, of this in the next couple of weeks, by the way. That a, the Yankees are preparing a monumental trade package, which would include... At least Luis Severino, Giancarlo Stanton, Isaiah Kaner Falefa, and a couple of prospects to pitch to the Angels for Shohei Otani prior to the dead. Good luck with that. Well, if the Angels think he's going to leave, you might want to take on something, but you might, well, wanna, you might not need he, to take on another $30 million I, I don't contract. Know, yeah, exactly. In, in Stanton. You're going to want to save Stanton would money. have no value. Yeah, they're going to want to save money, I think. If you're going to lose uh, Shohei, it's time to save some cash. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, Yankees are going to be in town, obviously. The, uh, the Taylor Swift concert is going to be tense. It's going to be a busy weekend. Uh, according to our friend Chris Bianchi, by the way, today's the last smoking hot day. If you're going tomorrow, you may get rained on, but probably not hail. If you're going on uh, Saturday, it's supposed to be pretty nice. Good. So, uh, you know, good. You're paying $2,000 for a ticket. I hope you get good weather. Especially since, by the way, <clears throat> on that list, no umbrellas. Same as Broncos games. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> throw, the, throw, the, throw the hoodie or the, uh, the poncho. Yeah. Pacho in your clear backpack as you get to uh, Empower Field at Mile High. Uh, Speaking of the Rockies, did you see Patrick Saunders' note about how uh, attendance had dropped considerably through the end of May, basically Memorial Day, but thanks to visits by the Mets and the Dodgers and the Angels and discounted tickets, uh, attendance has picked up. And the Rockies are currently through 44 home games, averaging 30,882 fans per game. But that is not a top 10 Major League Baseball attendance figure. It is 13th, not 10th. And last year, the Rockies, as you pointed out a few weeks ago, were number nine, averaging 32,467 fans per game. They were in the top 10 in all of Major League Baseball. Unlikely that they will get there. And that's where in the hundred losses. I think I get it. It's just a number. There's not much difference between losing ninety nine and hundred one. I get that, but it, but it is an embarrassing thing when you're not. It is symbolically embarrassing to lose. Yes, one hundred one hundred and more games because the nature of baseball is by and large. You know, you you can tell people that you'll you'll win sixty two, you lose sixty two, and it's the fifty in the middle that are going to decide where you're at. And, and you're talking about basically yeah, losing so all the, of the, those the 40 in the middle. Sorry, my that are sort of terrible there. 61, 61 to 40 is what I meant. Yeah. But yeah. 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 But 
that 61 leaves you with that's uh, right. uh, 99 now, losses. The, the A's in Kansas City will get nowhere near 60 Run wins this yeah, year, but virtually everybody else will will be around 60 wins. But but you're right. When you go, uh, hey, probably for, for most teams, 90%. There's 60 games you're going to win and 60 games you're going to lose right. no matter what. And it's those roughly 40, 42 in between that will seal your fate. And especially if those are road games, those 50-50 games are almost no hopers. The you know it's kind of funny we talked. I mean, they lose one to nothing, two to one on the road all the time. Yesterday with the the Broncos uh, survey earlier this week, we talked about it just last segment. We're talking about it right now. What we're what we're seeing is, and it's unfortunate the fans have to go through it, but losing and consistent losing, it's a it's a painful process, but it creates more savvy fans. You are you are seeing fans being a little more selective and saying, "Wait a minute, I'm a fan, so by default my heart is in it, and I I I want them to win." And, I uh, like watching baseball right. in person, but I know that I'm not watching good baseball right. coming from uh, the Rockies. And again, you uh, Patrick Saunders did a fine post All Star Game piece today in reviewing the season. If you haven't paid any attention to the Rockies, you read Patrick's piece and you'll be brought up to speed uh, on virtually everything, uh, including. The injuries, uh, Kyle Freeland's the latest, and it doesn't appear as if Kyle Freeland will be back anytime soon. And I almost wonder at this point, what is the point right. of bringing him back? Especially at all, if he's going to be out two, two and a half months. Why, injuries before, too. Why, why are you trying to squeeze him in? And I almost feel that way, too, uh, about uh, Rodgers, who... We knew he was going to miss was the whole, whole season before early the on, season even began. began. Right. But there is some talk that uh, he may come back to play 60 games. And, again, I would say at, at this stage, I I don't know how much difference Let me that give makes. The, uh, but the Rockies, by the way, will face the Astros next year in Mexico City uh, for some games. And uh, they can maybe lose. we can persuade them to stay there. They can lose in a whole different country this right. time. So that's cool. That's, uh, that's, that's great. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the idea of the injury to Freeland, by the way, the contemporary account from uh, Henry Shulman of, of MLB.com uh, when he got injured on Sunday prior to the All-Star break, uh, talked about the, the dislocated right shoulder that he had. Uh, here's what Shulman wrote, quote, the shoulder popped into place again on its own almost instantly, but that did not spare Freeland the immense pain that had him writhing on the ground and screaming. Freeland's quote, that was the worst, worst, worst feeling I've had pitching injury-wise. It's the first time I've ever dislocated a joint in my life, so it was the first time I got to experience that. Yeah, I'm not in a hurry to get Kyle Freeland back. No. And, and, and again, Rodgers had an injury. And Sensatella is down. It's, I, it's, it's Rodgers' down. injury was to the other shoulder, the left shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're thinking, uh, okay, Rodgers throws right, but injury with the left shoulder isn't going to handicap him all that much. Uh, but as a hitter, it might. And I, I just, you know. Uh, Unless you well, think well, what a, do they uh, say? That, that he could... Uh, uh, He's uh, ahead of schedule. Next week he'll begin 
game action in Arizona and then begin his minor league rehab assignment. The hope is that Rodgers can play about 60 big league games. Initially, there are fears that he would be out uh, for the season. Uh, I don't know. In this context, uh, what are you going to see in 60 games that makes it worth Hopefully ticket sales if you're the Rockies. That's what it boils down to, Sandy. sells tickets. Well, anybody else familiar? Again, anybody else familiar? familiar Kyle Freeland does. So I think they're not going to get him back. Well, actually, I think think Kyle being local, I I think. That's what I'm he, saying. He brings some people they in. Shut it down Brent, unless they have to. You know, I'll say this. And it's no – Brendan Rodgers a good young player. It's too bad he got hurt. But, again, I wouldn't cross the street just to watch Brendan Rodgers play not. baseball. No, the Rockies don't have anybody. Yeah, the, the Rockies don't have anybody who fits that Bryan, description. That was the, by the closest, fame, not ability. The closest would be Kyle Freeland mm-hmm. when he's pitching. I like watching him pitch. It's not Chris Bryant. Smart. Even though that's what they paid him to do, it's not Chris Bryant. And he's obviously not selling you of course. tickets. But, uh, and it's not C.J. Crone and Charlie Blackman is hurt. coming back from a broken hand. I mm-hmm. guess he'll be ready, they say, by the end of the month. Again, I don't know what, well, what difference that makes. The only thing about if you're Charlie, Charlie's like injury is he can't, you can't maybe trade you could get traded. Uh, right. Well, yeah, but it sounds like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't Charlie has no. Either. No value at this point, and any more than and, and Patrick was very honest in saying this. We we talk about some of the veterans who uh, could be traded, but you you can't get anything for people like Crone uh, and Richick and Profar. You're not going to get anything for them. You just get what you, whatever you can and get them off the roster. Well, we'll find out, of course, as the Rockies get back at it. The All-Star break will be over after today. The Denver Nuggets are are 0-3 in Summer League. That in of itself doesn't really matter. But what lessons can we learn from it? We'll talk about it with Mile High Sports, a lead Nuggets analyst, Ryan Blackburn. We'll do that next. I took an arrow to the heart. I never kissed a mouth that tastes. 